some companies still know how business casual is done. It's strictly business. Except it's not strictly business. Yeah. It's casual Friday. Don't hit me with that ever again. I don't want to hear it's strictly business ever again. It's business casual. It's business casual. And it's casual Friday. But don't get angry like that with the Godfather. (laughs) Strictly business. (laughs) Have you seen the Godfather movies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. I've seen one and two. I haven't seen part three. Um, I think that's fine. I I mean, I've heard I'm supposed to watch all three. I've heard two is the best. Um, a lot of people say it's the best sequel ever made. Um, many people are saying it. Many, <laughs> many people. <laughs> I, I would have to respectfully disagree. I would say Empire Strikes Back is the best sequel ever made. Ooh, you are a Star Wars guy, though. I am, though. So I'll take that, uh, that bias into account. Sure. But, you know, I think... Godfather Part 2 is like the fine wine of sequels. Okay. Empire Strikes Back is like the the family accessible sequel. So like do you want that um like I don't know um do you want that barrier to define like what is the best sequel, right? Do you want something that's high art right. to always necessarily mean it's better? In my opinion, I don't think high art is always better than accessible art. I think that's true. But, um, you know, we'll just have to do a, a movie breakdown or something one of these days. I'm down. I'm down. Business casual movie breakdown? Speaking of mobs and mafiosos and that sort of thing. Oh my gosh, where's this going? Do you ever wonder if there's something else driving, like, the Popeye's chicken craze <laughs> beyond just... You're saying the Popeye's chicken craze is CIA funded? I'm not not saying it. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean... It, yeah, it it got so big <laughs> so fast, and you sit there and you think, it's mm. a it's a sandwich, but like the craze that's going on over it, and I don't mean to like make too much light of it because of like a person was stabbed outside, you know, over right. a fight over one of these chicken sandwiches, Which and a lady nuts. just totally wrecked her car, like trying to get into the parking lot to get one of these to get a chicken sandwich. Yeah, and you're just like, what the heck is going on? But you know, you ever wonder if there's like. Some other kind of uh, force at work here, like driving interest in this, or wow. like how this is happening. Well, you know, there is such a thing as like astroturfing, which often gets used, um, you know, like in political discourse, where it's like uh, someone will create. It's like the bot craze, right? Someone creates like the bots or someone to to chime in to conversation okay. either in favor or not in favor of a candidate or mm-hmm. a policy proposal. And, um, you know, it's meant to just like either troll, yeah. like with no actual um, agenda, or to just like guide uh, inflammatory discourse. Mm-hmm. So I wonder what if there's like Popeye's chicken astroturfing going on where they're like, you know, there's like bots out there pushing how delicious it is, hyping up the craze, and everyone's like, "Okay, well, wow, I gotta get it." I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes like a a, a focused digital marketing strategy That's in the future. I, I mean, it would it would obviously be kind of disingenuous, and I don't think a lot of people would take kindly to a decision like that. But I could see how it would be effective. I knew a guy who wrote uh, a piece for the Dallas Observer. Like, really, really early on, when Popeye's, like, first announced the sandwich, he went and got it. And yeah. was like, 
this is clearly better than Chick-fil-A. Everyone needs to go get this sandwich. Wow. And like he's not a bot, but he's part of the craze, I suppose. Yeah. You know, you can blame him actually. Okay. <laughs> you can <laughs> blame him. Our whole theory's out the window. It's all this one guy's fault. It's it's all it's all <laughs> his his name is TC Fleming. It's all TC's fault. All right. All right. <laughs> coming up on the show today, uh, not just chicken sandwich talk. We're gonna talk a little bit about Volkswagen ramping up their production of electric vehicles, what that means for them, what they're attempting to do. There's a new idea, a new startup coming from the mind behind Uber. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that as well. That's gonna be in the food and beverage category also in the food and beverage category there's been a massive recall and what is actually in the meat that's being recalled is the thing that caught my attention so we're going to need to talk about that towards the end of the show so you're going to want to stick around for all of that but coming up first let's kick off by talking about something we've talked a little bit about in the past and it always kind of occurs around different industries and that is 5g because t-mobile has teased a 15 dollar 5g plan uh, kind of post their merger with Sprint. So T-Mobile is going to offer a new $15 per month prepaid 5G plan to customers, Daniel. The plan Lit. will inc- include 2 gigs per month data allowance in addition to unlimited talk and text. Now, one of the downsides, they say, is that 2 gigs is not a ton when it comes to 5G because you're going to be using it a lot more. 5G is going to be kind of constantly consuming data, I would assume. Right. And so that that 2 gigs is probably not going to be a ton but for $25 a month customers can upgrade to a plan with 5 uh, 5 gigs of monthly data and additionally T-Mobile says we'll add 500 megabits of data mm. to both plans every year for up to 5 years so you can kind of grow your yeah. plan uh, your your loyalty will be rewarded let's say so there is that downside of you know cheap cost but you run out of data pretty quickly and if you want to have kind of these 5G speeds, you have to purchase one of the two 5G phones that T-Mobile plans to offer on December 6th, either the Note 10 Plus 5G or the OnePlus 7 Pro 5G McLaren. McLaren. It's a car, too. It's like a transformer. That would kind of be amazing. That would be like lit. Push the button. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so... T-Mobile will be offering 5G. This is relatively accessible, but one of the things that gets pointed out in one of the articles I read is that if you are likely to be purchasing a prepaid phone plan, which if you are likely to be doing that, then you probably are not likely to be purchasing you know, the Note 10 Plus 5G, which is like a $1,000 phone, Um, that those ideas seem to be incongruous on some level. Mm. Um, So, yeah. Are they also offering, uh, instead of prepaid plans, um, are they also offering any kind of just like larger subscription to where you get like unlimited 5G with your, you know, your new 5G phone? Or is this their only... 5G option, either the 15 or the 25. This seems to be the first rollout of the of the 5G option yeah. that that I have seen. I could totally be wrong about that. So, I mean, what what it feels like is a win, obviously for 5G technology, um, and it's exciting to even see it at the consumer level like this. Right. Um, but I think what makes 5G exciting is that it it's supposed to enable seamless content anywhere. That yes. idea where You've got your, uh, you know, your data-enabled iPad, or you've got your iPhone, and mm-hmm. you're watching something on your phone. You're watching Hulu, let's say. You're at your house. Uh, you then go for a walk with the dog. You step out of the house. You walk away from the house, and as you walk away from the house, 
your connection from Wi-Fi to 5G, there's like no interruption in the flow of content, the quality of the content. You could be doing 5G from your home, walk outside, and it would continue to be just as powerful. Right. Walk to the park, hang out with the dog, walk to Albertsons, do some grocery shopping, walk back home, and you would not notice the difference. I feel like that is the true consumer power of 5G. Yes. And it feels um, like a, just just a little tight on the margins for for like what they're offering. And I don't think it's really going to enable that kind of 5G freedom that I think we're imagining yet. Which doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing because the infrastructure isn't totally rolled out. Right. Um, there's not a ton of 5G enabled phones. Like this is definitely a baby step. So you're saying they're dipping their toe in the water, but they're not. This is not a cannonball. Right, right. Like people, I think should be excited that this is now a consumer reality. But I have a feeling that your average consumer might not feel the full impact of what a 5G reality is going to look like right. yet. Um, and especially if you have to use those new phones, there's definitely a price barrier there. Like you're going to be using 5G if you can afford to cash in on the new phone. Yeah. Um, so it, it's definitely interesting, um, but I, I think I think we should be optimistic because of the T-Mobile Sprint merger. Now, I do want to do a deeper dive into the effect of a merger like that, yeah. maybe on a ratified, um, but uh, based on what the FCC approved, one of the, the key conditions for that approval was a focused rollout of 5G, a focused rollout to end the digital divide that we see right now in America, uh, and kind of committing to leading the globe in 5G since we are being kind of outpaced um, across the seas in China. So uh, in three years, T-Mobile and Sprint has pledged to bring 5G to 97% of Americans and 85% of rural Americans. And in six years, 5G is uh, supposed to be rolled out to 99% of Americans and 90% of rural Americans. And if they don't meet these specifications, the FCC has demanded that the T-Mobile Sprint new company um, will have to pay out billions of dollars. So, seems like there's some contingents there. They want 5G to be more accessible. So, you know, let's see if this pressure to become a 5G leader means that 5G really does become that content everywhere, content anywhere, content all the time kind of infrastructure for consumers. Now, one of the things they announced alongside this is uh, they announced a 10-year commitment to providing first responders with free 5G access. See, that's lit. Yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, it's great test case just to show that, hey, this works. Yeah. And it's also good for, you know, goodwill, building goodwill with the public. Definitely. Uh, some good PR, but also just doing a good thing in the world. So it's providing a free 5G plan with unlimited talk, text, and data as part of its Connecting Heroes initiative. Um, so they said that they're going to make those plans free for those people and then also prioritize them on its network no matter how much data they use. Nice. So nice little uh, nice little move there for T-Mobile to kind of go along with that, that first initial 5G rollout. But you're right. I kind of think the Venn diagram of people that are willing to buy this phone, use this plan, and kind of deal with the, the limited amount of data you actually get per month is pretty small, but mm -hmm. it'll at least show that this can work and maybe right. give you a little hope for what's coming in the future, let's for say. For sure. Speaking of what's coming in the future, Volkswagen has taken an eye to the future and looked and said, hey, look, electric cars right now, largely either too expensive or not attractive enough, <laughs> or actually 
and this is one of the big things, still government subsidized here in the United States to a large extent to the point where uh, taxpayer money is going to fund, you know, a lot of the initiatives to make these uh, these electric cars and that sort right. of thing because they're still just not easy enough to make and they're still not profitable enough for uh, car manufacturers. So they held a ceremony at Volkswagen's Zwickau plant uh, that was attended by CEO Heber Dice and German <laughs> Chancellor Angela Merkel. Angela. And in the announcement, Volkswagen described uh, its electric offensive as picking up speed. Now, wow. I mean... As, as long as we can, you know, get past, like, the idea of the Germans saying they're going on an offensive. Uh, <laughs> this this does seem to be a, a positive thing in the world of electric vehicles, right? Um, they are set to debut this new uh, this new model called the ID.3 uh, that's set to be launched almost simultaneously in European markets next summer with the basic version marketed at less than 30,000 euros, which mm. is about 33 grand here. Which isn't brutally expensive. It's not for brutally expensive. I mean, it, it's definitely higher end, but... But definitely within the realm of possibility. Yeah, it, it makes it a little bit more accessible, and that was kind of part of their announcement, as they said, we're going to make an electric vehicle that is accessible to millions of people. Mm. Um, now, right now, that Zwickau facility is currently undergoing a conversion because it was entirely uh, a plant for combustible engines, uh, internal combustible engine, uh, combustion engines. Um, but now they are switching it over to being a plant that only produces electric vehicles, right? Uh, which is really, really interesting. So they're putting 1.2 billion euros into the site's redevelopment and says that from 2021, it will have the capacity to produce 330,000 all-electric vehicles wow. a year. So, I mean, this is neat news. Uh, I obviously love seeing green tech become yeah. more accessible, uh, seeing investments in it. Seeing this kind of cooperation from uh, the private and public sectors, mm -hmm. uh, I am wondering, are they retraining the workforce? Right. Are they making sure that the, um, you know, the factory workers, the people that are manning these machines, either A, are given, you know, whatever this new infrastructure is for electric vehicles, is it similar enough that there doesn't really have to be a lot of re-education, mm -hmm. um, you know? from whatever aspects they are manning? Um, or are they investing in re-educating that workforce to make sure that they are prepared to deal with uh, electric vehicle manufacturing instead of combustion engine manufacturing? Right. Um, you know, I think that's very important as we transition to these new technologies is not just being excited about the tech and excited about the consumer prospects, but keeping in mind there are literal people that help put these products together and uh, we don't want to leave them out to dry. So I'm I'm wondering, I, I tried to read up on the story, didn't see much on the workforce, so I'm wondering what the plan is there. And the other question I have is, where's the infrastructure when it comes to charging stations and things like this, right? right? Like, are Pretty we, lacking right now. Yeah, are we actually prepared for this to happen, to have this level of electric cars, you know, because if all of a sudden more and more people are buying electric cars, sure, that's great. And, and I, I support that whole initiative and mm -hmm. that idea of going a little bit more green and, you know, being a little bit more sustainable, things like that. But do we have the, the infrastructure prepared for this? And when you need repairs on an electric vehicle, 
our mechanics, our people like ready to take on, you know, some new, some different types of work just to make sure that these cars can stay on the road. That's a, that's a question I have. For sure. Uh, also hopping on this electric vehicle bandwagon, I guess they not hopping on, but <laughs> uh, Tesla has finally kind of announced that they're going to give uh, everyone a look at their truck, their pickup truck. They announced back in 2013, so it's been a long six years, but they're finally going to unveil it, unveil it on November. November 21st near the SpaceX rocket factory in Los Angeles. Now, Elon Musk has said the electric truck uh, will have a starting price of less than 50 grand. He has also claimed that it will be a better truck than a Ford F-150 and a better sports car than the Porsche 911. Ooh, those are bold claims. Those are very bold claims. Because, I mean, I <laughs> I think the, the, the truck claim might be bolder. People really value their Ford F-150s here in America. It is true. Pickup trucks are the best-selling vehicles in America, with the Ford F-150 leading the way for a long, long time. And Toyota, Nissan, other manufacturers have been trying to kind of grab a little bit more of that market share for a long time from the traditional American brands. And they have just never been able to wrestle too much away from the Fords, Chevys, you know, those kinds of brands. And so it's hard for me to see this being a gigantic success because I I, I do think the people that buy trucks are loyal to a brand. They're loyal to that idea. And more importantly, I kind of think they're, I, I think they're loyal to the idea of like what owning a truck means. And I don't think Tesla by also claiming that this is a, a better sports car than a Porsche and a better truck than a Ford F-150 fully grasps why the truck consumer buys a truck in the first place. Yeah. People aren't buying trucks because they have good gas mileage on the highway. Right. You know, like no, <laughs> to a degree, like I've seen people comment on how much they love their truck because it's like, you know, their gas guzzling truck. That's just like part of the allure of having a truck is it being like this kind of heavy duty, uh, like rock and roll kind of like not like the music, but like literal yeah. like I, and I'm afraid to say macho because it's not I don't know if it's necessarily like a macho thing because there are plenty of women that love their trucks and drive their trucks. My cousin is, uh, lives in Colorado. She is a truck aficionado. Yeah. It's just more of like a, I don't know, it's as much of a functional piece of technology as it is like a brand and a status piece of technology, much like a sports car is. And so it's strange that he's trying to sell this to both the sports car and the truck market because they're not the same market at it's, all. It seems like it's missing to me, right? Like the the having of a truck... Like, so so for me personally, I, I wear glasses, I wear skinny jeans, skinny ear jeans or whatever. I have like this kind of... My boy! I have this this vibe. I listen to Death Cab for Cutie. This is like <laughs> kind of my persona thing or whatever. Yeah. Having a truck is almost the same thing, right? Like it, it fits into an identity that, that people have, have built and that's an okay thing. But I feel like what Tesla is going for here misses that so thoroughly. Yeah. That I'm... Trucks are very salt of the earth, very yeah. down to earth. Yeah, it, you, you communicate something about yourself with the truck that you buy and yeah. that sort of thing. And I, I wonder just how much Tesla is going to miss out on that market and miss out on what exactly it means to own a truck with this whole thing. So For sure. That's that's my thought. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to briefly bring up just kind of some of the, some of the status of Tesla right now. Um, you know, on one end, they are winning their PR battle. And on the other end, I think they're losing their PR battle. So... Um, you know, they've been servicing cars or they've been trying to solve 
their issue of servicing cars for a while now because they don't have any dealerships. Mm -hmm. So there's not like, you know, your Volkswagen dealership you can take your car to for service. Right. So um, it's been a struggle. um, And this could be even more important with a truck, especially if the truck makes its way to the truck community like he seems to be advertising it to. And it becomes an off-road vehicle. Those kinds of vehicles, you know, get more... Uh, stress on their joints. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, um, you, you probably need to change the tires more often. Uh, there's probably going to be some some technical issues there that will arise more often than just driving your car to and from work on the highway. And are they going to be able to service those trucks? That's sure, a real question. Sure. Um, however, there was a Bloomberg survey of Tesla owners very recently that said they are really, really happy with their Teslas. Interesting. So a lot of consumers, even with the like ex- exploding car battery uh, mm-hmm. stuff that ha- has been in the news this year, they are still very happy with it. I think they rated like a 4.9 something or 4.79. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was like 4.79 or 4.9 something out of 5 satisfaction with Teslas, which is very high for a consumer product. That is. And uh, they're happy with the battery life. They're happy with charging capacity. They've seen defects reported fall 44% between Q3 of last year and Q3 of this year, and the defects were mostly aesthetic defects, so like gaps in in the paneling and such. Yeah. Um, But even with all this, the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration has launched a probe into those battery fires because there have been a few... And they have a feeling that the media hasn't caught all of them, and they would like a full report of what are all the fires that have been reported back to Tesla, what caused them, and have those uh, issues been solved or addressed. Sure. So, um, you know, I think with all of this in mind, as they roll out an entire new product, they're trying to brand it to a new market, uh, you know, I think the people that are happy with their Teslas, are they, A, the ones that are going to be buying a Tesla truck? My gut goes to no. Yeah. So, you know, you have to recapture the imagination of a new audience. Mm-hmm. Um, B, is the infrastructure there to allow for charging of these trucks? Exactly. Because when I think at least on a rural perspective, uh, you know, it's tough enough to get to a gas station if you're living in rural Colorado, rural Texas, Definitely. rural Vermont, West Virginia. How are you going to get infrastructure for charging your electric truck out there? That should be definitely at the forefront of Tesla's mind. And will they be able to beat any of the negative PR that comes from, you know, battery explosions? So we'll we'll see. It's definitely an interesting move for the company. Interesting moves we're seeing for electric vehicles in general. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to be fascinating. I, I think you're right to bring up that. That whole idea of can you go from, uh, you know, rural Col- rural Colorado? Uh-huh. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> what, where are you going to charge it? Like, it's right. that's 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 a huge question for me. That it's just going to have to be figured out. Hundred percent. All right, we're going to step aside for a very very quick break. When we get back, one of the uh, one of the minds behind Uber has a new startup. We're going to need mm-hmm. to talk about it. So stick around for that. That's coming up right here after the break. Have you ever thought to yourself, podcasts are pretty cool. I should use one to market my company. Good news, you're not alone. But where do you start? MarketSkills Thought Leadership Club makes it easy to dive into the world of B2B podcasting. With in-house podcast production, audio hosting, and more, MarketScale can be your podcast partner that sets you up as a thought leader in your industry, creating the content that powers B2B. 
For more information, head to marketscale.com and find out what thousands of companies already know to be true, that podcasting is the future of thought leadership in B2B marketing. Hi, Daniel. Yo. So uh, back on Wednesday, we had a story about a a new kind of delivery-only restaurant that was getting started up in Seattle. You remember this? Uh, that uh, was that, that was uh, from the the minds of uh, baristas. Yes, the the uh, the coffee, coffee and brownie and coffee dessert exactly. thing. Yeah, the virtual Co- restaurant, coffee and ice cream. Yeah, yep. they called it virtual restaurant. Well, we have news today. Uh, this came out yesterday, actually. That one of the minds behind Uber, Travis Kalanick, has created uh, a, a new startup called Cloud Kitchens. And what it does is they create kitchens that are optimized for delivery, claiming that typical restaurants aren't really built with their infrastructure to handle kind of delivery operations, that it's just too cumbersome um, and, and all of this kind of stuff. So what they're doing is kind of optimizing these sites for delivery-only restaurants. Interesting. Uh, other places are calling them ghost kitchens. His company's called Cloud Kitchen. Where they got a lot of money, uh, this came out yesterday, is interesting on a geopolitical level, but we'll talk about that here in a second. So from their website, from Cloud Kitchen's website, they say the food delivery market is worth over $35 billion per year in the United States, and that figure keeps growing. Mm. So what they want is uh, for this to create some flexibility because the upfront cost of real estate for restaurants is obviously high. That's Mm -hmm. a big upfront cost. Uh, then you have to pay rent and all of that kind of thing. And then kind of building out a restaurant costs a lot of money. But if you can kind of build one of these virtual restaurants, basically, that is delivery only, then you can get you know, to profitability a little bit quicker. You can become delivery only. And this is kind of the, the new idea, the wave of the future. And in a way, he's kind of battling... Uh, He's kind of battling, uh, da, 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 what am I trying to think of? Uber Eats, you mm. know, his old company yeah, right. to a certain extent, right? Uh, with this, uh, with this new model. But here's the downside to me, or the question that I have, is that a lot of my affinity for various restaurants comes not so much from the. It comes partially from the enjoyment of their food and, and that sort of thing, and right. and what the the product that they provide. But it also comes from going there and having good times with people, if that makes sense. Or like sure. having some brand affinity is tied to having a good time and having memories at that particular place. And that's not uh, unanimous across the board. I, I, that's not true of every restaurant that I love. But I do think that the ones that I particularly like and the ones that like stick around in my mind that I want to revisit and that sort of thing are ones that I have a personal connection to on some level because I can go there. Um, and right. I wonder if delivery-only restaurants will miss out on that or if I'm just an old fogey. Well, I think A, I always do this. I have like an ABC I have to keep them all in my head or I'm going to lose them. (laughs) Um, I think this will benefit restaurants that already have an established brand affinity. Mm -hmm. I think that's why convenient food delivery works. So McDonald's, uh, Whataburger, things like Steak and Shake. Right. When I think of the spots that I would hit up, you know, with late night with my friends and we would just fool around, have some burgers and fries and be annoying and stupid. Right. It would be at these like 24-hour locations that, um, you know, had yummy food, but also there was a vibe about going to the place, interacting with with the people there, with the food there. Um, And that obviously 
creates that affinity that I think makes you more willing to bet on, oh, okay, I, I just want them to bring me that food that I have a strong connection with back to my place. I think this could be tougher for like a fresh company. Like let's say we see a lot of companies like this virtual restaurant pop up and be literally delivery only. Yeah. Having never had a pre-existing brand or right. anything like that. Right. Zero, yeah. zero brand affinity, zero brick and mortar context for the consumer's mind to kind of correlate the food to a place mm-hmm. or a person or a, an experience. If it's all virtual, all detached, all very, you know, e-commerce-y, is there going to be that same brand affinity uh, that you might see with an Uber Eats bringing you McDonald's at 2 a.m.? Um I feel like maybe we're underselling it. You know, there there probably is, I mean, considering the delivery market is worth over $35 billion, um, obviously there's business there. Yeah. And it seems like people are making the investment into these delivery-only restaurants. So it, it could be really game-changing. And I think from an infrastructure perspective, it makes sense because you don't have to uh, worry about building seating, building, you know, or, or worrying about staffing for, um, you know, bringing out food or for really interfacing with customers. Uh, I mean, think of like how a, a Domino's is set up. There's like one table in a Domino's where That's you sit point. and wait for your pizza. And really, it's just a pe- giant pizza oven. Yeah. And, you know, pe- they'd go out and deliver. Now, imagine that, but with a really efficient, like, drive through going on so you like queue up the people they come in yeah and they're like all right here's your mcdonald's branded bag here's your x branded bag and um you know i could see restaurants with a lot of capital like your wendy's your burger kings your mcdonald's your chains that have uh you know already a a giant reach investing in are basically going to build a burger warehouse specifically for our Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates mm. kind of deliveries. Burger Warehouse. Burger Warehouse. <laughs> All right, Daniel. We're out of time for this week. Yeah. It Sorry. happened again. We just have too much to talk about. <sighs> I could talk about burgers all day. But luckily for the good listener, we have another episode of I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson coming up next. He's going to be exploring the world of Medicare. And so uh, it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Mm. You're going to want to stick around for uh, all of the latest in the healthcare industry. So that is coming up next. But for Daniel Litwin, Aww. the voice of B2B. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to prepping some other podcasts. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Adios.